ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another exciting edition of Monday Motivation. Hi everyone, this is Rabbi Garfinkel of Project 613 from Chicago with a live studio audience. Wow, the crowd is going wild and so is my recording device over here, off the charts. All right, it is a very exciting post-Purim podcast. We have so many exciting things happening. First of all, the Project 613 Purim celebration was incredible. So many Jewish young professionals turning the Sunday School Purim Carnival into a real Purim celebration, sitting down with a formal meal of food and drink and celebrating the great miracles of the Jewish people surviving not only in the times of Mordechai and Esther 2,380 years ago, but every generation since. Boy, oh boy, what a celebration it was. A Moroccan theme. We got our costumes from our trip in Morocco. It was incredible and real authentic Moroccan costumes. All right, so it was fantastic. I hope your Purim was fantastic as well. I have a very important cultural reference update. And this actually rocks my world. I owe it to my dear brother-in-law, Aaron Benedict, who, uh, aside from my, being my brother-in-law, is a really dear and close friend of mine. We, we uh, communicate often. And I don't know, for those of you who listen to Money Motivation, I like to use the concept of the Energizer Bunny for, for, for the Jewish people that we, uh, we, keep, uh, we take a licking and keep on ticking. However, my dear brother-in-law pointed out that that is a mixed metaphor. The Energizer Bunny slogan was really, and keeps going and going and going and going. But it was the Timex watch commercial that says, takes a licking and keeps on ticking. So I apologize for the mixed metaphor. This correspondence goes all the way back to the end of January. I cannot believe it's been this long, but it is now officially corrected in the uh, lore and the records of Money Motivation that the Energizer Bunny keeps going and going and going, and it's the Timex watch that takes a licking and keeps on ticking. All right, being a little silly here today, but we have a really fantastic, fantastic podcast based on, of course, beautiful, wonderful Jewish values. All right. And this story, this podcast is based on something that happened to me. And as soon as I, it happened, I thought, oh, I cannot wait. This might just end up being a podcast. And guess what? It is. So here we go. So I was in the bank, Chase Bank, on Western Avenue, not so far from my home here in Chicago. And what happened... Uh, first of all, why I was in the bank? Because I was taking out cash to give out tzedakah, because, uh, which is charity, which is what Jews do on Purim. One of the major mitzvahs is giving matanos le'avyonim, gifts to the poor, uh, in terms of uh, money, also sometimes food as well, but really enough money for them to have food, but also many organizations, yeshivas and schools and other organizations come collecting, and it's a beautiful time. Nice to have money in your pocket to be able to give to whomever 
ask, because that is the law on Purim, whoever opens their hand in need, we model God's kindness and we give to those. All right, so I'm loading up on my ones and my fives and all my money that I, I want to give out. And there it is, staring at me in Chase Bank on the floor. I see it. It's a penny. One penny. And as soon as I saw it, I said, I look up and I see there's like three or four people ahead of me in line. And I knew what I was going to do. Now, call this calculated, but we'll explain what the Jewish law is when you find a lost object in different scenarios in a moment. But I look down at the penny and I pick it up. And then I make kind of a loud you know, announcement that, oh, I'm, I'm not skipping the line. I'm just returning the penny that I found. And I walk up to the teller and hand over the penny. And I go back to my place in line. I go back to my place in line. And, and, and I'm just waiting there, you know, minding my own business, wondering if anyone in front of me in line will notice me with my Jewish beard and my tzitzes hanging out of my, uh, of my side over there. And also my yarmulke glasses. You can't miss me. I'm definitely Jewish possibly looking rabbinic. And lo and behold, someone nibbled on the bait. It was great. He turns to me and he says, hey, lucky penny, huh? Lucky penny, huh? I'm thinking what he, and and, and again, we kind of look at each other, lucky penny, we start schmoozing and he says, lucky penny. Yeah, you know, a penny's not something to give up on. A, A lucky penny, you can find a penny. If you keep it, it's good luck. So deep down, what am I, peeling back in his mind what he's saying. He's saying that really you should have kept that penny because it's lucky. Why are you giving it back to the bank? And so maybe I'm being, you know, a little bit negative in terms of how I'm looking towards him, but I I knew that that's what he meant. And he confirmed it with the next thing he said. He said to me, you know, the bank's got more money than we do. And that was his second justification for why I should have pocketed that penny. Because the bank won't notice a penny. The bank's Chase Bank. Well, I don't know how how much money was in this branch, but Chase Bank is worth billions and billions and billions of dollars. Maybe, I don't know, who knows? Maybe trillion dollars, who knows? I don't know. But lots of money. And that one penny, what difference would it make to Chase Bank if it has that penny or not? And then it was perfect. Do you ever know in life when someone lobs you a nice softball right over the plate, bases loaded, two outs, bottom of the ninth, and bam, you hit a grand slam over the fence. It worked exactly the way I wanted it to. And I start telling him that, you know, it's so interesting because the very first thing that Jewish boys and girls learn, really, one of the very first things we teach Jewish children is the laws of Hashavas Aveda, of returning a lost object. Yes, obviously, you know, we, we learn about Shabbos, we know about Shabbos, learn about Shabbos and keeping kosher and Jewish boys and girls and do certain things. And we say Moda'ani in the morning. We thank God for giving our souls back to us every day. And there's a lot of things. We learn, but one of the focuses, uh, one of the emphases of Jewish education from a young age is 
Just because you find it doesn't mean you can keep it. Finders keepers is not a universal law. Now, there are certain circumstances which, God willing, we'll get to where that is true, that finders keepers is actually true. But inside of a bank where you know for sure that it is not yours and it is in the propriety of a place of a financial institution for sure, you absolutely cannot take that money. And therefore, I returned it and I told him, basically, this is how the Jewish people roll. God is the one who supplies the money. And if he wants us to have it, he'll have it. But we don't need to take that which is not ours in order to have money. And he actually was blown away. And I am so thankful that the Almighty set this thing up, you know, and we kept talking. And he said, well, what if it would have been... $100 bill, I said, no difference. $1,000 bill, no difference. If there would have been a million dollars right there, it would have made zero difference. You take the briefcase and you give it to the teller. Unless it has markings that it belongs to another individual and then you return it to that individual. Okay, so he was blown away. And then the teller, when I got up to my turn, he was impressed with what's going on. Again, I'm not taking credit that I'm such a righteous guy. I'm just doing what the Torah says. So what happened? The um, he, We start talking. He says, yeah, I've been noticing all the Jews coming in and they're all taking out, you know, cash. What's We have like a run on the cat. We barely any cash left in this branch. And I explained to him the holiday of Purim and that we have certain holidays that recognize God's presence overtly breaking the laws of nature, miraculous Passover, splitting in the sea, 10 plagues, etc. But but the holiday of Purim is when we celebrate God's working within, quote unquote, the laws of nature. When God is hidden, we still believe that God is even more visible within the laws of nature than when he breaks the laws of nature. And this teller loved it. He loved this idea. And this whole thing started with a penny. Now, um, I, I can't give an, an, a comprehensive class on the laws of returning lost objects, but I do want to highlight a few of the basic laws of, of what we should do. Okay, so these laws come in the second chapter of the Talmud, of the Mishnah, and then the Talmud in Bava Metzia, called Elu Metzias. And it starts off with, these are the findings that you can keep, and these are the findings that you can't keep. And so we're going to do some large brushstrokes of ideas over here. So if something has what's called a siman, it has a noticeable symbol on it or recognizable uh, marking, demarcation, certainly if there's a, a name with a wallet in it, uh, you know, and, and you can retrace it, then of course one is obligated to return a lost object. However, Let's say we're, I don't know, downtown Chicago, by the bean, okay? And you see that there is a $100 bill down there, okay? Floating on the street. That is yours. You can keep it. Why? Because there's no special markings on it. And the person is for sure, for sure either has or will give up on it. And that's actually a very interesting whole um discussion in the Gemara, if you find the bill, can you assume that the person has already given up on it or not? It is a fascinating discussion that goes pages and pages in the Talmud. Okay, but the bottom line is you can keep it. Okay, but what happens when it's not so clear cut? Let's say that you have a scenario where 
oh, let's say you buy a desk, okay? Let's say you buy a desk. Let's say you're a young yeshiva couple and you buy a desk off eBay or uh, secondhand and you bring the desk home and you finally, uh, you know, you have to like put it together a little bit, whatever, and you put it together and all of a sudden you open one of the back apartments and you find $98,000. $98,000. Can you keep it? Do you have to look back to find who you bought it from on eBay or not? Well, it's very interesting. Technically, you do not. You do not need to do it. But the, Tal the Talmud, but actually later the Shulchan Aruch says that there's a marvelous opportunity there. That if there is an opportunity for Kiddush Hashem, for sanctifying God's name and to return it to a non-Jew, then it is very praiseworthy to do so. In other words, the person who left $98,000 in their desk was so negligent <laughs> that, that they didn't know where $98,000 was. They've had Yeush on it. They've given up on that money, and it is technically not theirs anymore. They sold the object. But this happened to a young yeshiva couple. And right away, they said, they called the rabbi, they said, what should we do? And, and the, the, the rabbi, Rabbi Belsky of Blessed Memory, told them, this, this halacha, you certainly are in your Jewish law rights to keep it, but it would be such a kiddush Hashem if you returned it. And in fact, they returned it. And this young couple, then it was discovered by, I think it was the CNN outlet in Connecticut. They were around Yale, I believe. And what happened? It went viral. They were on every TV station and every from all over that they had returned $98,000. You know what $98,000 would be for this young couple? But he said, and he was a Rebbe in a school, and they had four young children, and he said, I, I, my wife and I, wanted to teach our children that to be Jewish means something greater than money. There's certain values. And if we could sanctify God's name, if we could say, do something that the non-Jews will look at us and say, wow, you have a yarmulke, a black felt yarmulke on your head with a big black hat, and that's how you roll, you must be from a special people, and your God must be special. That is what we call Akidush Hashem. Now, there's another great story here in my one of my favorite, favorite books. And it's actually a children's book, um, and it's by Chaviva Krohn Pfeiffer, and it's uh, called Making Hashem Proud. I've actually quoted other stories from this, but it's all stories about making a Kiddush Hashem, making God's name great in this world. And it's a story, a bit of a similar story, but um, with a little bit of a twist. So it says that it's Mr. and Mrs. Weissman, all the names were changed. They lived in a small apartment and they finally got the money together to buy a house. Okay, so um, they bought the house from an elderly non-Jewish lady named Mrs. McHenry, again, name changed. And so when the day came for um, all of them to move, uh, Mrs. McHenry um, gave the keys and she said, I'm sure you're going to love this house. Um, I just ask you one favor. So many years ago, I lost a diamond ring here. I searched everywhere and finally gave up hope of ever finding it. Now I'm moving into a nursing home. If you ever find the ring, please bring it to me. So she gave them the phone number of the nursing home and left. Okay, so that was the day that they closed on the house. They moved in. Okay, years to pass. The Weissmans did not find the ring. 
So every now and then, they do a little, what we call in Israel, shiputzim. They're fixing up the house. They move this a little there. Okay, one time, they re redid some rooms. They took out an old sink, and they saw something shiny lying on the floor. Mrs. Weissman bent down and picked it up. It was Mrs. McHenry's diamond ring. It was dusty. But when Mrs. Weissman washed it off, it sparkled like new. She went straight to the phone. She called Mrs. McHenry's nursing home. She asked to speak to Mrs. McHen McHenry. And the receptionist said, she paused. She said, I'm so sorry. But Mrs. McHenry died three years ago. Oh, she was so upset that she couldn't do the mitzvah. What should she do now? Should we... Try to find the lady's children and bring the ring. So she called the Rav, Rav Yisrael Belsky Zetzal, which is the same rabbi that the other young couple asked and is, believe it or not, a blessed memory, but believe it or not, uh, our, our relative um, through my wife's family, through marriage. And they called him up and he said, according to the halachas of Ashava Saveda, according to the laws of returning a lost object, you do not have to look for Mrs. McHenry's relatives, but you have a great opportunity to make a Kiddush Hashem, to make a sanctification of God's name. I think you should try to find her children and return the ring. Thank you, Rabbi Belsky, said Mrs. Weissman. We'll try our best. And at that point began, began the search. She called back the nursing home. She said, explain the whole thing. She says, we have it. We we have to find the family. Can you give it? The receptionist found the number of her oldest son. And Mrs. Weissman called the oldest son and said, may I speak to John McHenry? And Yes, I'm John McHenry. And she says, my name is Mrs. Weissman. We bought your mother's home several years ago. And before she moved to the nursing home, she told us she had lost her diamond ring. And years later, we have found it. We called the nursing home and we're so sorry that your mother passed, but we really want to return the ring to your family. Mr. McHenry was aghast. He says, I can't believe you tried so hard to find me. You could have kept the ring and we never would have known the difference. Do you mind if I ask you what made you give it back? And Mrs. Weissman said, we are Orthodox Jews. It's our religious obligation to do the right thing. It's not our ring, so we don't want to keep it. We, don't, we want to return it to your mother's family. So we called you. So you can imagine, unbelievable, the next several days, every one of the McHenrys couldn't believe it. They were calling the Weissmans and thanking them for returning the ring. They even got a call from the McHenrys priest. <laughs> it says, and the priest said, I heard the story of the ring. What you did to find Mrs. McHenry's son and return it is just extraordinary. I have to say that I don't know anyone who would do what you did. John told me that you did it because you were religious Jews. I can only say one thing, said the pastor. Blessed is the God of the Jews. Blessed is the God of the Jews. Ladies and gentlemen, what, what we're doing here, you know, at Money Motivation, and in general what we do at Project 613, is we're translating timeless wisdom for modern minds. We're showing that the Torah is so relevant. The Torah they are our life, the length of our days and nights. It's, it's how we live. It's not an extracurricular activity. It's not like I have my yoga and my soccer and my, you know, whatever, and I got my Judaism on the side. Torah is the way we do things. It's the way 
that we approach life. It's the way we approach what we eat, what goes in our mouths, and what we say, what goes out of our mouths. It, it, it impacts how we make money and how and when we return money. And folks, this is what it means to live a blessed life. This is what it means to be representatives of the CEO of the universe. I wish everyone tremendous success in plugging in to this timeless wisdom by learning. Find a rabbi, find a teacher, and if you don't have one, contact me. I'd be delighted to connect you. God bless. Have a great week. And God willing, we'll see you right back here next week for another exciting edition of Monday Motivations.